Well, welcome again to Life Church. We're so glad that you're here today. My name is Dustin, one of the pastors here on staff. It's an honor anytime that I'm able to come and share with you. Before we get started with the message, I do want to extend a personal invitation to all of the men in the room. Uh, we've got a, a, an event that is upcoming that I would love for you to come and be a part of. We've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, uh, but we have the Beast Feast coming up. And if you're a manly man like me, <laughs> do not laugh at that. That's not a good start. Um, then I would love for you to come out and be a part of this. We've had some men's events before. They've always been wonderful, but this one's going to be unlike any other. We're going to have some barbecue, some giveaways, and there's going to be a hot wing challenge between the different campuses. If you watched the promo video last week, Germantown didn't really show up all the way, Pastor Ryan, but... Um, this, uh, this, this, th at this event, we will, all right? So we need you, we need you to come and be a part, and you need to register. This is a registered, ticketed event. So lifechurchwi.com slash events, and register today. You want to be a part of it, and uh, wives, if your husband is too lazy or uh, whatever to go and register themselves, pull out your phone right now, do it while I preach, God will forgive you, all right? Uh, today's message um, is a conclusion to our series called How to Sabotage Your Life. And it's been a fun one where each week we've been giving you some excellent advice if you want to ruin it all. If you just want to mess everything up, we've been giving you some really good pointers. The first week, Pastor Aaron talked about how you can fail your family. You know, you just wake up one day and you're like, I just really want to mess all of this up. And uh, you could fail your family. He gave you some good, some good pointers on that first week. If you haven't listened to, go back and listen to that message. It's a great one. Last week, we had a guest from Liverpool come all the way from Liverpool. Pastor Luke came to tell you how to wreck your faith. That was very kind of him. And this week, we're continuing the trend, and we're going to talk today specifically about sin. So get ready to get uncomfortable. This is going to be a good one. Uh, before we get started, I want to give you a few definitions of sin so that we can all be on the same page together. Okay, here's one. Sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. That one's a little bit too heady for you. I've got another one. Sin is acting or behaving in a way that does not conform with God's character or commands. One that I like even more. Sin is any feeling or thought or speech or action that comes from a heart that does not treasure God over all things. And one more, it's just kind of like a word picture, but one of the Words used in the Greek New Testament, one of the Greek words used in the New Testament for sin is hamartano, and it means to miss the mark. Very literally, it's like, think of archery, and there's a, a target bullseye in the middle, and it's loosing an arrow, and it hitting an outer ring when you are aiming for the center. Sin is missing the mark. Romans 3.23, it's a famous verse. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Which brings us to today's message. If it's true that all have sinned, and I know that I have, and I don't know about you, but I think that you would agree that you have probably sinned as well. If all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, what's the big deal? 
Like if I'm doing it and you're doing it and we're all doing it and we're here at church, so we definitely know that people outside of this building are doing it, then what, why does it matter? Like why do we need to battle or struggle against it if we're all doing it, if we can't help it, if it's a part of our nature? And I know from personal experience that it's sometimes so much easier to give into sin, to miss the mark, to fail to conform to God's character and commands. I mean, it's difficult to obey God in some things, much more difficult to obey God in everything. And can I be honest with you this morning? Sometimes it's not fun to obey God. I know that's probably, I guess, a blasphemous thing for a pastor to say from the platform, but it's sometimes a lot more fun to sin. That baby agreed with me. It is uncomfortable, especially in our context and culture today in this world, to conform to God's plan and desires. So if everyone sins, and they do, and if sinning is often the easier option, and it is, why not just give in to it and let sin win? That's the title for today's message. You can put it up at the top of your notes if you'd like to. Let sin win. And I'm going to help you out today. If you want to sabotage your life and slide down this slippery slope of sin and one day wake up and find yourself far, far away from God where your heart has grown cold and you are desensitized to all things Jesus and you look back on your life thinking, where did it all go wrong? Then follow these three easy steps. I sound like an infomercial today. Follow these three easy steps and you too can sabotage your life. Number one, if you want to wreck and ruin and sabotage your life, number one, keep your sin a secret. Keep your sin a secret. You should be writing these down so you don't forget how to sabotage your life the morning that you wake up and want to do that. Keep your sin a secret. Don't tell anybody, especially people who love you and care for you and who will support you. Certainly don't go seek help. That's what the, the weak people do, right? Keep your sin a secret. Remember this, sin grows best in the dark. So that's where you want to keep it. Don't shed any light on it because after all, sin is embarrassing. Sin is awkward. Who likes to talk about their sin? We, we, don't, we like to talk about our accomplishments and our successes, not the, the sin, the dark depravity of our lives. And when people do, things get awkward. So don't you dare bring your sin out into the light because that's where sin goes to die. If you want to tell somebody about it, uh, don't tell a Christian because then they'll try to pray for you and that is awkward. Uh, they, they'll pray for you. They'll hold you accountable. Uh, they'll say, you know, they'll send a text a few, a week later, say, hey, how are you doing with this? I've just been thinking about you. God brought you, you to my heart and I, I just prayed for you. Gross, right? Like don't, don't tell Christians because they'll definitely pray for you. They'll encourage you. They'll support you and they'll hold you accountable. Remind yourself in these moments that you are not a child. You can handle it yourself and keep your sin a secret. Better yet, Pick a, pick, pick a pet sin. Do you know what a pet sin is? It's exactly what it sounds like. A pet sin is a sin that you keep as a pet. It, it sounds silly, but it's easier than you think to develop a relationship with a particular sin in your life, to keep it around for the rainy days like today, to feed it whenever it gets hungry, to make excuses for it, to defend it, to justify it when people talk about against it or preach against it. 
and to let that cute little sin with puppy dog eyes grow and grow and grow in secret. Think of it this way. We all have favorites, right? You have a favorite food. You have a favorite movie or TV show. You have a favorite room in the house. You have a favorite temperature to keep the house at. And that's different than the rest of your family's temperature. You have a favorite, uh, you have favorite clothes to wear. And I know many of you won't admit it, but you have a favorite child. You do. I mean, you do. And, and it might change from week to week. Um, my parents have always said it's the child that needs me most right, right now. And I haven't, I haven't been a parent, but I feel like it would be the opposite for me, right? The child that will just leave me alone for a little bit, right? Uh, again, I'm not a parent. Um, but I know you've got favorites in, in every other area of life. Why not have a favorite sin, right? The, the favorite sin that you continually go back to, that you feed, that you nourish, that you, again, it's in secret, it's in the dark, but it's your favorite go-to sin, Anybody willing to just kind of share their favorite sin right now? I'll bring out the microphone to you and you can kind of just stand up and share. Anybody? No? Why? That's okay. Fine. Listen, whatever you do, do not admit that you have a problem. Don't admit that, you've, that you have a problem. Problem. Proverbs 28, 13. It's in the Bible. Don't read it if you want to ruin your life. It says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them, what happens? They find mercy. Yeah, they find mercy. So according to this verse, you've got one of two options when it comes to handling your sin. You can either confess or conceal. You can confess your sin or you can conceal your sin. Concealing or confessing. One is easy but dangerous. The other is difficult but right. Confession is admittedly uncomfortable. But God knows, the author of Proverbs knows, and we know it to be true that confession has this divine, unique ability to heal. Why? Because confession takes what's in the dark and it brings it into the light. If the dark is where sin goes to thrive, the light is where sin goes to die. Confession, by the way, is not just something Catholics do. It's something that all Christians should do. Now, we think about it differently than some. No person can absolve us of our sins. Only God can. But there is something powerful that happens when we admit, I'm struggling and I need help. There are times when we should confess our sins to one another, to other people. That's good, that's healthy, and that's helpful. But we should always confess our sins to God. In John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only God has the ability to forgive us and to cleanse us and to heal us and strengthen us so that in the future that same sin has no hold on us. I love this verse, John 1, 9, because it's the best if-then statement ever. You know, you think about math, if this, then this. We've got the best if-then statement in this verse. If we confess, then he will forgive. There's no caveat there. There's no, oh, but you've got to get it all together. Or, oh, no, but you, but you better not do it again. It's if we will confess, then God will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's very good news. Let me tell you something about your pet sin that you're still holding on to. It might seem cute now, but one day you'll wake up and that cute pet sin will have turned into a monster. 
and it will devour you. I thought about having an illustration a couple weeks ago when I preached. I had kid toys that I passed out, and we, we, it was ridiculous. Uh, I thought of an even more ridiculous illustration this week. I didn't do it, and you'll hear why. I thought about when talking about a pet sin, I would have a little cute stuffed animal out here, right? A, a cute one that if I showed you, you would all go, ah. But then I thought about when getting to this point and talking about what you need to do to that pet sin, ripping off the animal's head and letting the stuffing fly across the stage. But I thought there might be kids in this room, and it might scar them for life. So I didn't do that, but that image is, is, is true, and I hope that that gets into your soul because what you and I need to do to our pet sins is to kill it and kill it now. We need to put our pet sins to death. Do not wait another day. Don't put it off any longer because I promise you this. It is worth the embarrassment of confession now to avoid the surety of destruction later. Your sin will catch up to you. Do not buy into the lie that it will remain hidden in the dark. God has given you graciously a window of opportunity for you yourself to bring your sin into the light. And if you refuse, there will come a time where God, against your will, against your timing, against your ability to control or, 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 or you know, have a hand on the situation, God himself will bring your sin into light. Either you do or he will. The first step to overcoming sin is acknowledging that you have sinned. But remember, that's not the kind of message this is. We don't want to do that. We want to sabotage our life. We want to mess everything up. We want to ruin and wreck all of this. So we want to keep our sin a secret. But that's not all. Back to this infomercial. If you want to continue sabotaging your life other than keeping your sin a secret, number two, you want to do this. You want to gratify your fleshly desires. Go ahead, write that down. We want to gratify our fleshly desires. Our fleshly desires are often at odds with our spirit's desires, right? The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he once said something like this, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I end up doing. How many of you can relate to that? I know you don't want to raise your hand in a message like this, but I I can, I can relate to that. There are times where I'm doing things and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why did I just say that? That's not who I am or who I want to be. I often hate what I do and often the things that I know that I should do and want to do, I don't end up doing just like Paul. Paul knows that there's this lifelong battle between what's naturally born in us and what's supernaturally born again in us. But my advice to you, if you want to sabotage your life, is to give in to those fleshly desires. Do whatever it is you feel like doing, because after all, how you feel is what's most important here anyways. Feelings. I don't want to spend too much time here, but um, feelings are what matters most in our society today. Feel how you feel. It doesn't matter what's actual reality. How you feel is what matters most. And I get that it's a bit passe, but do you know what YOLO means, right? It's a few years, uh, kind of a long time ago now, but uh, you only live once. That's what YOLO stands for. 
all you old people. YOLO, you only live once. So do what feels good. Make the decisions based on the now, not based on the then, on the temporary, not on the eternal. Make, make yourself happy at the expense of others and at the expense of your own soul. Do whatever feels good. And here's something that you can do. To make sure that you, to, to, to make sure that you're gratifying your fleshly desires. Here we go. Make sure that at all times, in any given circumstance or situation, you have access to whatever your struggle is. Okay? So, if you struggle with alcohol, go to bars. Go to a lot of bars. Have a bar in your basement. Which I did not know was a thing until I started house shopping seven years ago here. And in every basement, they've converted their basement into a bar. Y'all are crazy. All right. Um, but, but have access to that. Um, you know what bars to go to during Packers games that will give you free beer until like a point goes up on the board. Go to that one, especially when the teams are like really uh, lined up so there's not a score for a long time. And drink as many as you can in record time so you don't even have to pay for it. Again, have those things available to you at all times. If you struggle with porn, get on the computer late at night without any safeguards or keep a hidden folder on your phone that your spouse doesn't know about, didn't know about. If you struggle with overeating, keep your pantry stocked. Uh, with Cheetos and white powder donuts. That's my weakness. I don't know what yours is. Have DoorDash on speed dial. Or, I mean, like, just use those apps religiously. Whatever you do, do not walk by the Spirit. Paul, the same guy that admitted to having this ongoing war within his soul between flesh and, and spirit, had a solution for the struggle. Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 17, he says this, but I say, walk by the spirit. And in doing so, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. As a Christ follower, you have this ongoing war within between the spirit of God and your sinful nature. And you know this to be true, right? You didn't need Paul to tell you this. You felt this before. Often, in the moments right before you decide to sin, you have felt the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, giving you an out. And the more that you reject that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, the quieter and the quieter it will become. Until you, you have desensitized yourself to his voice to the point that you've turned it off altogether. And some of us are there. There used to be a day where when we were committing a sin, we felt we felt it in the moment. And some of us have gotten past that point where we no longer feel it in the moment. We don't even feel the guilt afterwards. And that's because it got quieter and quieter and quieter until we turned it off altogether. 
Anytime you are presented with sin, you have a choice. Am I going to give into my flesh or am I going to submit to the spirit? And submitting is by far the more difficult option and you will not be able to do it on your own. When Paul uses the phrase, walk by the Spirit, this implies both direction and empowerment. Are you with me? Direction and empowerment, meaning not only do we make decisions led by the Holy Spirit and by his guidance, by his direction, but we also act with the spiritual power that only the Holy Spirit supplies. We are both led by and filled with, we follow and we're filled by the Holy Spirit. And I wish that I could tell you that at some point in your Christian journey, you will have arrived. You get to that point where sin no longer has its hold on you and you no longer have this struggle or this battle again where you will finally once and for all overcome sin. And from that moment forward, you will never be tempted again. That's just not true. Not, not, not here in this life. Like in this life, you will be tempted. If Jesus, the son of God, was tempted up until the very end, so will you be. In, in this life, you might never be free of fleshly desires, but there will come a time where you will be able to consistently overcome them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me this morning? It doesn't happen overnight. It's this, it's, it's when the sin presents, you say no. And that kind of gives you the superpower. And the next time, if you say no, it accumulates and it builds up. It builds this protective armor around you. So that next time it becomes easier. And next time it becomes easier. And next time it becomes easier until you are winning more battles than you are losing. But it does not happen if you walk alone. It requires you to walk consistently, daily with the Holy Spirit. Because it is his power that you're relying on, not on your own. Which we're not doing if we want to sabotage our life. If you want to sabotage your life, you are keeping your sin a secret. You are gratifying your fleshly desires, not the spirits. And then finally, you are depending on your own power. If you want to sabotage your life, depend on your own power. You be the hero. Like, do whatever it takes. You've got the S on your chest. Don't accept anyone's help. And if it ever becomes too much, just remind yourself, you can quit at any time. It's worked for you in the past, right? Right? Don't go to a friend for help. Don't get counseling or therapy. That's for the people that admit they need help. Uh, don't tell your spiritual leader. Don't ask your life group for prayer. In fact, reject all forms of biblical community that might hold you accountable in overcoming sin. And definitely don't seek a higher power that has dealt with your sin before in the lives of others and knows how to help you deal with it now. Whatever you do, do not depend on God for your deliverance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing to a group of Christians that had some major issues with sin. Um, I, you think your sin is bad? If you ever wanna feel better about yourself, read 1 and 2 Corinthians because that church was messed up. Seriously, like, I don't wanna get into it, but I think one of the guys was like sleeping with his mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, read the Bible. Like there's some crazy stuff in there. 
But this is what Paul has to say to that church that was going through it, dealing with sin. He says this in verses three through four of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Paul's words to these Christians then is a reminder to Christians now that we do not wage war in the same way the world does. We have different weapons. We have weapons that are not of this world. Meaning a guard on your computer or phone can be a good thing, but it can't be the only thing. The world has that. A therapist is a good thing. More of us need therapy, but it can't be the only thing. We have access to an even greater weapon in our fight against sin. What do you have? Scripture says that you have a spiritual armor. You have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. You have shoes prepared with the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You have a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. What's more, you have the ability to pray in the spirit where God can hear you in a way that goes beyond your ability to understand. You have access to the very throne room of God where you can boldly enter before the throne of grace in your time of need. Life Church, listen to me this morning. You're not fighting in your own power. You've got the power of God dwelling within you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is the one who dwells within you than the sin that seeks to overtake you. You have access to a divine power that that power can demolish strongholds. Your power cannot, but God's power inside of you can demolish strongholds. There is no sin that you are dealing with or struggling with that is greater, that holds greater power or authority over your life than your God does. And you might feel like you have lost the struggle so many times. I wanna offer you some hope today. The war is not over and you are not alone. You do not have to fight in your own power. You have access to divine power. The final verse there in 2 Corinthians says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Not to make it obedient to ourselves, we can't do it again. But we make it obedient to Christ. So when lust creeps in, we capture that. And if if need be, we violently turn that to Christ. Ruthlessly turn it to Christ. It's a battle. It requires you to do something about it, but not by your own power or authority. When depression or anxiety creeps in this next time, because it will, you capture that and you make those feelings obedient to Christ. 
When you have the opportunity to cut corners at work and make a little white lie to cover it all up, you capture that in the moment of that feeling or thoughts and you immediately turn those thoughts to Christ. This series has been a somewhat difficult one for your pastors to preach because we've, we've hopefully utilized well some, some sarcasm and all of our points have been like coded with sarcasm. We, we don't want you. Like we've been giving you really bad advice. But in that, our hope was that you've been able to see through the bad advice to the good godly advice that has stood out. With this message, we don't, we don't want you to sin, far from it. We want you to overcome sin. God wants you with his power and help to overcome sin. And so keep sin in, in, in secret or keep sin in the dark, no. Confess your sin, bring it into the light. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Gratify your fleshly desires? No, no, walk by the spirits. Depend on your own power? No, find comfort in weakness, knowing that you might not have what it takes to overcome sin, but the God you serve does. And finally, your sin might seem unbeatable, but know this, that which holds us does not have the power of the one who saves us. There is freedom today. There is victory today for you, for past sin that, that holds on to you right now. Know that God has unending mercy for you. The sin that will surely tempt you in your future, know that God has given you his spirit and God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but he will always provide a way of escape. The verse that we began with that we all know for all have fallen short of the glory of God, the verse that follows says this, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's good news this morning. We have access to his mercy, his grace, and his salvation now and forever. Can we take a hold of it this morning? God, we are so amazed at your unending mercy and grace. You are ready to forgive us time and time and time again. God, any sin that we are holding on to in this moment, we take them captive and we make them submit, not to us, not to our own power or ability, but to God. God, I pray that you would equip us both on the outside and within as we walk forward step by step by the Spirit that you would keep us, that you would protect us, and that you would help us to overcome all temptation. God, today we lay our sins at the altar. We ask you to do a work that only you can do. For those of us that might be in this room that are far away from you, a broken, severed relationship, pray that that in this moment you would offer your salvation, that they would trust and believe that Jesus came that Jesus lived, that Jesus died a death on the cross for their sins, to overcome sin once and for all, 
and he conquered death, hell, and the grave for each and every one of us. And may the angels in heaven rejoice today as we simply say yes to you. We give you all of our sins and we accept your mercy and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.